My name is Tanetta Harris. I am a public safety dispatcher, which um, what I do is I get the calls that are routed from the 911s over to my console. And I tell the officers, hey, I've got an accident or whatever the incident is. So I tell them what to do and where to go. And I also do 911s as well. How was that different from, you said you do both, but... Yeah, I do both. Because there's some people at my job that strictly answer 911s and 911s only. I'm a public safety dispatcher. So what that does is I have a double-sided headset on. So on one ear, I'm talking to my officers and I'm, you know, getting what they're asking if they're running plates or running people or they need tow trucks or whatever they need. I've got that going in one ear and I have the potential and the chance of having a 911 drop into my other ear and answer 911 too. Um, On the radio side, we can kind of pick and choose the phones. The operators just do 911s all day okay. and public calls. So, yeah, that's okay. what I do. My name is Dave Rivas, and I'm a 911 operator for the City of San Diego Fire Department. So I'm a fire and medical dispatcher for multiple cities in the San Diego area. So if you call 911, I'm the guy that you speak to. And then on the other half of my day, I'm the guy on the radio talking to all those fire trucks and ambulances and helicopters that go out on all the calls and tell them what to expect and get all the resources they need. Today on A Favor for Freddie, I am featuring two frontline workers who might be behind the scenes, but they are crucial first responders, not only during these unprecedented times of COVID-19, but every day. What are some of the harder or more difficult events that you've had to handle? Gosh, I, anything, anything, um, with domestic violence always has a special place in my heart. Cause you know, nobody, you know, I'm in a, especially when it's relationship wise, like if I'm in a relationship with you, I don't expect you to hurt me, harm me, whatnot. So anytime I get a guy or a girl talking about their loved one or their family members doing X, Y, Z to them, it just really just, it just the pit in my stomach. And I'm not supposed to put myself in their shoes, but you really being human, you really can't disassociate yourself that much with stuff and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to be too empathetic because then all day you'd be like, what was me? And you just be sick as a dog. And then my thing is when I hang up with them, I have to go to the next call or the next situation, you know, just stuff like that. Or people, you know, we're in San Diego, we're such a tourist town. A lot of people have no clue where they are. They're coming to visit and they call. And if you're calling 911 and if you're on your cell phone, we don't know where you are. I'm relying on you when I say now an emergency, what oh, are you reporting? Yeah. I rely on you to tell me what you're reporting and your location or at least a good close location. Cause if you're on the freeway and you tell me the five freeway, I've <laughs> heard people say the five goes from TJ to, you know, to Canada. I mean, we don't do that much in this area, <laughs> but you know, in theory it goes from TJ to Canada. Right. So I need for you to narrow it down just a little bit so we can get you to the appropriate agency if that's our handle or if it's somebody else. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. 
there's uh, there's so many of the joyful and hard and mm-hmm. crazy and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it all comes so fast. It, it's hard to remember them all. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, some things stick with you for a while. Like, you know, every now and then you help deliver a baby over the phone. That's nice. And um, if someone's really in a bad uh, situation, and they don't know where they are, what their address is, um, even like if a visitor is in San Diego and they have no idea what their hotel is or where their campsite is. Um, and, and I'm at a 100% fine rate in 30 years. I've found every single person I've ever spoken to. So when they, you actually connect those people, when you say, yeah, I see them and they're walking up to me or they're repelling from the helicopter mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. you know, they're coming. That's a good feeling. Um, that's always nice when they're on the trail and we find them with a helicopter and when you've successfully completed your mission that's always good um there's there's tough ones that involve like children and children and babies that's always tough and not just the the ones that have like uh traumatic problems but children and babies that were maybe um in their situation due to a lifestyle that they were born into Mm -hmm. that type of thing Mm -hmm. and and so that's that's always tough that you know something happened to a kid or or a family member even that really you know it's just the the situation they live in their fallout from that situation and that's that's kind of tough yeah and what happens is is after that those good or bad situations um you hang up you take a deep breath you make sure you did everything good you know or you make sure you did everything right and Mm. go on to the next one and, and do it again how do you mentally and and emotionally uh, not hold on to the to the trauma that you you are dealing with on a daily basis? How do you how do you decompress? You know, I've had a couple incidents that still like when it comes to fire, I kind of PTSD the fire. I really do because we had a fire really close to our building one time, and it was just like. <gasps> And then the fires in like 03 and the fires in 07, I worked those and I worked like seven days straight on major fire radios. And we do have a thing at our job called uh, EAP, which is Employee Assistance Program. Mm-hmm. So what they do is um, you can get some counseling for free. It's like legit where if I have an issue, I call a certain number. I tell them, hey, my name is XYZ. I work for this department. I'm having an issue. I need to talk to somebody. And I'll go, okay, what city do you live in? what's your nearest zip code and you tell them mm-hmm. and they'll say, okay, here's a confirmation number. They'll give you an email with a bunch of people's names. And what happens is you get seven sessions with the, uh, with somebody to talk to with the psychologist, oh, wow. seven sessions, seven sessions for each problem. Mm-hmm. And if your problem isn't, of course it's not going to be solved in the first seven. They'll just keep tweaking your problem to make it that you can keep having these sessions and it doesn't cost anything to you, wow. anything for you. Okay. So something that, you know, is, there I haven't had to use it yet I've been really close to using it Mm -hmm. but we also have a thing called peer support so our coworkers are trained you know they're not they don't have PhDs or doctorates or anything like that but they're trained to be able to help you through certain situations and just somebody to talk to that's not judgmental and I've used that a lot I've used that a whole bunch (laughs) for you know certain situations Mm -hmm. where officers are shot at Mm -hmm. or officer involved accident where somebody has passed away um, you know, just incidents where, you know, there's a crazy, crazy situation where, you know, I've, I've, 
talked to people and I've heard their last breath. I've, you know, I've talked through people who found loved ones dead and, you know, I've the babies and the older people. And it's just, you know, you, you get all of this and you never have closure and it's like, okay, I need to talk to somebody. So you sit down you have a little chat, you know, get off the floor for a little bit. I always 17 years, excuse me, 17 years on, I know my limit. I know, okay, I need to get up. Like I can't, I need to get up because I don't want to, like cry on the phone or cry on the floor, you know, I just kind of get up, take a breath, go to the kitchen, get something to eat real quick, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. My other job is as an artist, I'm an actor and a voiceover guy. And so I work in um, uh, any theater that'll give me a job around San Diego and uh, also have a, a recurring uh, clients in the voiceover world to do commercials, mostly video game voices. And then I, I work with students who are looking to break into that career. And uh, I like to work with uh, people that are working on new stuff like playwrights and who works for a stage and that type of thing. So that, that creative side really, really helps me. Yeah. So it really does create a, a balance that uh, is, I think we all need. Mm-hmm. You know. Especially in a job like what you're doing. Yeah. And, you know, I had to learn that the hard way. I've been doing this for oh, about 30 years now and uh, maybe about 10 years in, you know, I, I got burnt out on all kinds of stuff, just people yelling and screaming at you and the, all the emotional cases and stuff you, you run into. Um, and it would, it would just build up, you know, I, I, I found that I would wake up every night at 3 a.m., like on the dot and just be thinking about what my day was going to bring. And, um, and, uh, and I'm not going to lie. A lot of people in the industry, you know, have stress and they deal with it in the way they deal with it. And Mm -hmm. if it's not a healthy way, there's uh, unhealthy ways that people turn to. And I've been a part of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, so until I found a balance, which was, um, uh, when I started exercising my creative side, which was voiceover and dance and stuff like that, that helped the stress. And then when I started living a clean, healthy life um, and taking care of myself better, that really helped. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I've found that really, really helps with the, the stress of life. What would people be surprised to know about your job? There's a lot of people that don't know that you can call 911 for certain things. They think that you need to call public for a lot of stuff. If you ever see an accident anywhere, I mean, you know, certain agencies do certain things. You know, my agency takes everything. Mm -hmm. So we take non-injuries, injuries. injuries, We do parking complaints. We do disabled vehicles. We do dogs, cats, cows, roaches in the roadway. (laughs) You know, we'll go out to it because it's a traffic hazard and could could potentially become something. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people, and you know, they see that sign that says report drunk drivers call 911 and they're always so scared about it. I'm like, but you see all those signs out that say it. So you might get yelled at by, you know, or talked to by certain agencies like, Hey, that's not an emergency, but Mm -hmm. we have signs everywhere saying it. So it's kind of a conflict. Like, do I do it? But you know, a lot of people, and then there's some people that, that are just have nothing to do and they call and they just want to talk and, I get it, and I can talk to you for a little bit, but I do have to get you off my phone. Right. And then people also don't realize that, you know, I have a two-year-old, and I like to let her play with my phone sometimes, but if you have any battery, even if your phone is out of service and you don't have anything, 
it can still call 911. So really? if you have a phone that is, is charged, it has any charge to it, mm-hmm. and you hold down the button 9 or you push 911 or whatever your emergency button is, I'm not saying try it at home right now, <laughs> boys and girls, but yeah, but it will call. And that is one of the things that every cell phone will do and every every landline will do. It will call 911 whether you paid your bill or not. You could just have a dead phone that you found somewhere that has no service. It'll dial 911. Wow. And you'll get your local agency. So, which is a good thing because people, you know, like yeah. the times right now, you know, people can't pay their bills and people are still in situations, you know. Right. People still are getting in accidents and, you know, need medical assistance. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, that works. 911 always will work. 911 is 24 7. We never stop. That's... Doesn't matter what happens. We're always there. <laughs> always. What people would really be surprised to know about the job is when someone calls you. Um, a lot of people don't know their own address. Really? Right? Really? See, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't know their own address. You think that's uh, now, because of the, the state of mind they're in, in, in an emergency? That's, or That's a really intelligent um, response. Uh, that's what I thought of after a while. Okay. Uh, and you give them that, but they just... No, they just say, I don't know. I don't know. Just oh my come. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it say on your screen? And that's another thing. We do have some information depending on how you call 911. If you call from a landline, mm-hmm. uh, which is hardwired into the wall, uh, which we don't have much of anymore, mm-hmm. uh, we do get that information of like where you are calling from and who the phone bill goes to. If you call from your cell phone, um, most of the time we get a latitude, longitude, and an address of a cell tower near you, but we don't, we don't know what your actual address is. So when we're asking you that stuff, we're, we have to confirm it, you know, because we don't, especially in a crisis situation, we don't want to go to the wrong place or the sure. house that you used to live at. Yeah. So um, so pe- people not knowing their own address is a big Thing and they get upset at us for asking them in the first place. Um, and then they get really upset that, you know, we try to help them remember. Uh, nobody in the world knows what their cross streets are. So if you know your address, that's good, but chances are you might not know your cross street. Wow. So for homework, all Learn you listeners out there might want to <laughs> learn your cross street. And that, I wouldn't even know my cross street if I, I had to call 911 right now. I, I know them, but like you said, in a crisis situation, if your heart's beating and you're like nervous, yeah, uh, I might, I'd probably forget it. <laughs> uh, people don't, uh, they, they usually don't know where they are if you're not at home. Mm-hmm. If you're driving down the road and, and you have to pull over because something's happening, people usually don't know what street they're on. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're from, if you're not from San Diego, if you're visiting from another state, usually people just say, I'm at the beach. <laughs> So, or the one with the water, uh, I get that sometimes, but, um, it's really surprising how people don't know where they are, what their phone number is. So some basic, um, things you can do to help just know your, know your address, know your phone number, you know, with cell phones, we just push a button, but yeah. uh, some people, some people will say, Oh, I don't know. I don't call myself. Yeah, yeah. But I know my phone number. <laughs> I have to agree with that. It, it took me a little bit to know my phone number. But the street yeah. address, I just, I can't imagine not knowing. That's, that's weird. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, I kind of wish I, were, I could say what I want to say. And sometimes it's like, if you were ordering a pizza, where would you have it delivered? <laughs> Let's go with that. Yeah. And then they go, oh, yeah. But I think that's surprising. 
can you please tell me the story behind Team Tony Tone? Okay. So I have multiple sclerosis and I really kind of found out at work. So I'm at work on the radio and my office is asking me for, you know, some stuff and my eye goes crazy. And then I go through this like six months of not knowing what not. And then I finally get diagnosed or endorsed as I like to call it with multiple sclerosis. And a couple of weeks after uh, my endorsement, one of my coworkers and I, you know, I, he doesn't work with us anymore, but we would always do like every Saturday after work, we would go do breakfast. We would go to the local IHOP and just, you know, have fresh fruity, tooty, fresh fruity or something. <laughs> but um, I, we were sitting there and this group, it was maybe three or four people walked in and they had a shirt that just kind of caught my eye. And I'm like, hey, Marty, did you read what that shirt said? And it was something about walk MS. So I, again, I'm new at this MS thing. I had barely gotten contact with the society. I didn't know there was such a thing as a walk. Mm -hmm. So I asked the guy that I saw and I said, Hey, you know, do you mind me asking you about this shirt? And he goes, Oh yeah. You know, I, I walk for multiple sclerosis. You know, I forgot who was in the family that had it, but he was telling me about the walk and they do it every year. And I was just like, wow. Okay. I didn't know this. So I looked at Marty and I was like, this is something I'm going to do. And he's like, all right, I got you girl. So I was like, all right, yeah, we got this. So, you know, we went up back to our breakfast and I'm like, okay, well, okay. If I have a team, what am I going to name it? And he goes, well, you know, your name's Tanetta, but we all call you Tony. He's like, what about Tony Tone? Cause you're always at work singing and dancing and being silly. And I was like, Ding, Tony Tone. <laughs> so that's how Tony Tone came about. And, you know, I was really scared the first year and I, you know, I signed up and I told friends and family and coworkers, and I had like 33 team members, you know, I was so green. I had no clue what to do. We didn't take a picture cause I didn't know there were such things. And, you know, I started with 33 and this would have been my 14th year. And unfortunately with the coronavirus, mm -hmm. everything had to get canceled. But last year, I think I had uh, 200 and something people that I had. Oh. So, you know, as the years have gone along, Tony Tone has gotten kind of massive and out of control, but, <laughs> but it's a great thing. Cause you know, if you've ever been to anything like this, you know, you learn a lot, you see a lot. It's, it's a reunion. It's just, it's an amazing thing for a horrible thing, but yeah. I hate that I have to do it, but I love, I love that I do it. So yeah. that's how Tony Tone came about. I hop with Marty, <laughs> me and Marty at I hop. <laughs> so are you um, supported by, uh, by your work with this at all or you yeah know? you know they they originally wanted me to do it as a work team and I was like no this has nothing to do with work this is friends and family uh -huh. but you know I've had um I've also done I do two walks for the multiple sclerosis I do the one day which is like three miles with a big team and I also do what's called the challenge walk which is our version of the uh, three-day breast cancer but you know us MSers can only do 50 miles uh -huh. so you know 50 miles over three days and uh -huh. I've had a lot of fundraisers through work, you know, I've had people bake sales. Um, one year I had a poker run, which was amazing. I've never been on a motorcycle. It was amazing. <laughs> and, you know, seeing these officers that are trained how to ride these bikes, see them drive like they're in formation. It was just so cool. I was in the back like, this is awesome. This is for me. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo. So, so you know, stuff like that. And then I've had like painting parties and just, just all kinds of cool stuff that, work has come help me through friends and family have come help me through, but it's just been a great thing. I mean, it's been a wicked ride, but it's been an amazing ride. So, okay. Tell me about your dogs, Dave. Well, I have five dogs 
and I love them all. I don't want any more, but if I get any more, I'm sure I would love all of them some more. Uh, Robin and I started out with uh, her two Chinese Cresteds, Aoki and Millie. And when Robin and I started dating, um, she had those dogs, and they're, I, I'm not going to lie, when you first see a, a Chinese crusted, you're like, oh, my God, what am I looking at? Because <laughs> <laughs> they kind of look like chihuahuas. They're small, like chihuahuas, mm-hmm. but they, they, they are hairless. They yeah. don't have any fur except for on their head, their tails, and on their paws. Mm-hmm. And, and they're just very bizarre mm-hmm. looking. And then, um, and then you start uh, getting to know them and their personalities and the way they hug you and kiss you and work you <laughs> and you love it. Yeah. So I fell in love with them and we had them for a couple of years uh, when we moved in with each other. And then one day I came home from work and I saw this little puppy, these two puppies playing on the, on the grass by where my mailbox is. And these people were standing around, watching and they're like laughing. It was really cute and adorable. I thought that's so sweet. And then I went home and uh and then I went upstairs and Robin calls up and says, Hey, there's a there's a puppy in our front yard and I went down there and there's this blonde little puppy and she's adorable and she followed me home. Oh no. And so we lived in a condo complex at the time and we uh we put up uh, flyers, you know, here's your dog coming come and pick them up and we didn't find any owners and uh, we took her to the vet and she didn't have a chip. So uh, she stayed with us and she is, we, her official name is honey at the vet is honey because I had to give her a name Mm -hmm. and we named her honey because at the time I was doing a staged reading for a musical where I played a, a, a transgender uh, fairy godmother named Honey. <laughs> so that's the story behind her name. Okay. But but at home we just call her Puppy because she looks like a puppy. She looks like a golden retriever puppy, oh. and she's looked that way the the thirteen years we've had her. She never got any bigger, and we found out that she's supposed to be half Chihuahua, half rat terrier. And she doesn't look like either one of those. She looks like a golden retriever puppy, so we call her Pup. <laughs> and she's so smart and so loving, and she's just so adorable, and I I love her to death. <laughs> and then we were set with those three, and we had them for a long time. And then last year, about this time, uh, Robin's mother called up from Texas, and she was taking care of her sick grandmother, at home and she had these two um, Italian greyhounds that were a little bit too much for her to handle at the time. And uh, so they uh, asked me if I'd be interested in taking one. And I was like, Oh man, (laughs) that's like four dogs. (laughs) I'm like, wow. And then I thought about it. I'm like, well, yeah, if it's helping, you know, sure. I guess you could. And then I thought about it some more. I'm like, but wait a minute, that one has been with the other one for, or, you know, two years, we can't separate them. And they go, good, glad you said that. Would you want them both? <laughs> so I'm like, wow, that's five dogs. But they're all small, so maybe our five equal one regular size dog. Right, right. So that, that's how I look at it. Me too. But um, it's, hard. It's, just, it's just hard to walk in the house sometimes because they're 
at your all feet all the correct. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> but it's it, it's great. I, I I love them all so much. We're really lucky that they're just loving and they love to cuddle and they're, they're each personality is so different mm-hmm. and um, and they're they're our kids right now and uh, we love them. I'll be at work or sometimes wherever I am during my day. I just think I want to be home with some dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be with my dogs right now. Yeah, they make life that. better. Absolutely. Yeah. They do. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you to all the first responders out there. Music written and produced by Alex Guzman with additional lyrics by Jamie Channel Guzman. Please subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next week, and Freddie, until forever. And hug a local 911 operator. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely.